Turn with me over to Luke chapter 9. It's our scripture for this morning. And what I want to try to communicate today is a, a wake-up call for Christians. And uh, for those not yet believers, I want to just kind of explain what the call and the duty is of a Christian. So when you make a commitment to Christ, what does that mean? What are you calling me to? So in Luke chapter 9, well, let me just tell you, the title of today's message is called The Long Road Home. The Long Road Home. When you prepare for a trip, let me ask you a few questions. Number one, when you map out your destination, your, your course, do you, uh, A, look for the easiest route, or B, the longest route? When you're plotting your course, do you look for the shortest distance? You want to take the long way? Do you look for the easiest way? Do you look for the rugged terrain? Do you take the scenic route? Or do you really care less about the surroundings as long as I get there? Well, really, there's no right or wrong answers to any of those questions. Because if you've all been anywhere, which you've all been somewhere, because at least you're here today. You know that your course can differ from day to day, from week to week, from the weather, um, the people you're with, uh, if you're running late or not, and what you feel like that day. I remember before we moved up here, my mom and dad, three and a half hours away, uh, there was many different ways to get up here. Many different ways, all of which we could cut down to just under three hours, and some we could stretch out to four, four and a half hours. It all felt, you know, it all depended on how we felt, who was with us. I mean, when I first started working with you guys back in March and coming up here every other weekend, I wanted the fastest route, the quickest route, the easiest route. And I also factored in, um, I did not want to hit Grand Rapids during 8 a.m. or 5 p.m. As a matter of fact, I tried to avoid there at noon, too. Because those five lanes are just, well, challenging. And for somebody who's a little competitive like me, it can be a little scary. Where's Tammy? She's not with me. I have to admit, I had to repent after doing this. But one of the trips that I took down south, took Tammy with me, um, went to Fahola, did my, my psalm classes, my ministry classes. And on the way back, we had to swing through Marshall, which was another half an hour south of Charlotte where we were at. So it was after 5 o'clock when I called my husband and said, we're leaving Marshall. He said, well, I'll never see you before I go to bed. Now, I don't like that. He's like, well, I guess I'll see you tomorrow. And I thought, you know, I wanted to, yeah. And I looked at Tammy, because I didn't know her that well, and I said, um, 
really like to get home in like two and a half hours. Three would be nice. I said, um, do you want to stop and eat dinner somewhere? Are you okay? And I pulled out this trail mix I had made. I said, are you just good snacking on this? She goes, I say, let's go for it. I said, woohoo, let's go. So I said, just don't look this way. Look that way. Look behind me. Look aside. Let's just go. And I do have to admit that was foolish. It was stupid. And I repented once I was up here in two hours and 45 minutes. But I got to say goodnight to Brian. But again, anytime you have a destination you're trying to get to, however you get there is relevant, really. Depends on what you're going through. But there is a destination that has been marked out for you as a Christian that I can assure you is going to be the longest way. It's going to be a rough terrain. And every bit of your surroundings are going to try to affect your destination. The long way home. And that's what I want to talk to you today about. So looking first over there at Luke chapter 9. Jesus said, starting in verse 23, Jesus said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must not if you feel like it, not if you want to, I guess, it's okay, or one day, or not the other day. You must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Verse 25. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed. Let me read that to you in the message version. That same scripture in the message version says, then Jesus told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose yourself? The denial of the self, Jesus commended, is the removal of self from the center of ambition and the setting of him in that place. It involves taking up the cross and following him on the road of sacrifice and suffering. In the history of the church, the tendency has been to avoid suffering. The tendency has been to avoid being identified even with the sufferings of Jesus. People have sought to carry out God's orders through a shortcut of their own. God's way is always the way of suffering, the way of the long road home. Accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior demands not only believing the truth of the gospel, but also committing ourselves to sacrificially follow him. 
The choice between denying ourselves or living for our own selfish desires must be made daily. And this choice will determine your destiny. Why is it as Christians we think that we can follow God, follow Jesus on our own terms? No, but we do. And as a matter of fact, during prayer and worship, you know, I'm just pondering the word, and God just showed me a, a picture of the church and all these busy bees busy and buzzing around and doing their own thing, bumping into each other and going nowhere. And I watched, and some of them was knocking down other ones, and they were stepping over them, stepping on them, and but smiling, busy, and doing their own thing. And I thought, God, that's the church today. We come week after week, month after month, year after boring, stinking year, let's just be honest, bumping it into each other. How you doing? How you don't really answer me, because <laughs> I don't want to know you had a bad day. And let's go on. And let's just hallelujah. And what did, what did Michael, that, that new comedian, Michael Jr., is that his name? I, Michael Jr., amazing, I think that's his name. Amazing Christian comedian right now. <laughs> Laughed my little socks off. Anyway, he explained his testimony, and he said that when he got around the church, he got really nervous because of what, you know, his past and stuff. But he said as he came into worship, when he first started really, you know, selling out to God and really coming after God, he explained that he wasn't confident to raise his hands all the way like some people were doing. He said, I just did the T-Rex. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. But do something. Do something. We need to come out of the ordinary, come out of our little buzzing bee and, and bumping into each other and really sell out. You can't follow God on your own terms. You can't say you're a Christian, which means Christ-like, little Christ, and be somebody different. That's an oxymoron. To be called a Christian means you are a little Christ. So in this scripture, Jesus simply states three things we must do daily. Daily. Not you committed one time, once saved, always saved. Daily. Turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow him. Daily. So let's just dig into these real quick. Again, a very simple message, but I really feel it's a wake-up call today. Turn from your selfish ways. Verse 24 said, if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, Jesus said, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourself are lost or destroyed? You must, must live a life of self-denial. We must prefer the salvation and happiness of our souls before any secular concern whatsoever. When profit and loss come to be balanced, which they will, we all have seen it, we all know it, and if you don't know it, let me say it now, all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All will have to give an account 
for not only the things that they have been given, but what they've done with it. So when profit and loss come to be balanced, he that will save his life upon these terms will lose it. Will lose that which is of infinitely more value, his precious soul. Even if we were able to gain all the wealth, honor, and pleasure in the world by denying Christ or doing a Christian life on our own terms, yet when, by doing so, we lose ourselves to all eternity, what good will our worldly gain do for us? When you stand before God, let me just talk to the Christians for a second, and you're called into an account for the things that you've been given for the plan that God had for your life. And you stand there and say, you know what? I, I kind of felt that plan, but I had my own plan. Or I, I know where you wanted me to go, but I just decided I would get there by another route. This was an easier route. I'm sorry. You're looking at the very son of God. The one who carried his cross for you. And I don't think that the road to Golgotha was an easy road. I don't think it was a tourist attraction as far as, you know, yay, let's go there. It was marked with blood and sweat and your guilt and my guilt and my shame and my sin and your shame and your shame. But he carried that cross. So when we stand before God and say, you know, we know, but... You know, we didn't want to get dirty. I praised you. I T-Rexed you. I came every week to church even when I didn't feel like it. Do you think you're going to get a standing ovation for that? Profit and loss will come to be balanced. I really pray that the balancing comes now. So much easier for it to come now when you have a chance to change your ways than later when it's all over. What good will our worldly gain do us? Let me just say, because we have to the, it, we turn from our selfish ways as a parent, do you punish or reward selfishness? <laughs> yeah. But what's the first word kids learn? Mine. 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 And the second word, if you're a good parent, no. They learn no. 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 Why? Now, if we know that as a parent, and let me just say, this is a side nugget. If you don't punish your children, again, the world is tainted, again, the word punish. And I'm not talking about torture. But that doesn't mean that you run from discipline either because the world and Satan has twisted it. Okay? Now, so let me just throw it out there. If you're not disciplining your children for selfish desires 
then you're sending them on a quick road to hell. Because if you're not helping break off that selfishness, you're encouraging it by the lack of discipline. And by encouraging selfish behavior and I can do what I want, well, I just want my child to live free. No, you're not. You're shackling them straight from the chains of hell that will drag them back there if you don't break that off and discipline them. Okay, anyway, the boys and I had been reading a proverb of the day every morning, every morning, every morning for I don't know how long it's been going on. But they found out it repeats itself a lot. And there's an awful lot in there about discipline. I mean, yeah, read it again. <laughs> what did that one say? Read that again. They'd giggle. Yeah, they'd giggle and they'd be like, and then I'd want to explain. So now why do you have to be punished when you do blah, blah, blah? Some of those things, Proverbs 19, 18, discipline your children while there is still hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. If you don't discipline them, you are ruining their lives. Proverbs 29, 15, to discipline a child produces wisdom. Proverbs 23, 13 and 14 says, don't fail to discipline your children. Punishment won't kill them. Physical discipline may well save them from hell. You see, I'm not trying to preach a message on how to discipline your children. I'm simply stating that there's a foundation that God has ordained here. That as human beings, we need to be taught from an early age that selfish behavior is wrong and it will lead to eternal death. From an early age, we have to be taught, get it out. Get it out. When you follow the flesh, it leads to death. When you follow the flesh, it leads to death. First thing Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, you need to. Not you need to, but you must. You must turn from your selfish ways. Number two, he said, take up your cross. I've heard this preached a hundred different ways. That from it's just the word of God to it's your old life. You got to carry that. I don't, even, I don't even know where that's found in the scripture. Like I have to carry all my old life on, you know, like it's my burden. That don't make sense. Now the full life study Bible comments on this verse. In taking up your cross, it says the cross of Christ is a symbol of suffering, death, shame, ridicule, rejection, and self-denial. When we as believers take up our cross and follow Christ, we commit ourselves to these three areas of struggle and suffering. Here it is. When you say, I am taking up my cross and following Christ, this is what we're committing to. We commit to a lifelong battle against sin by crucifying our own sinful desires. I commit to that. Number two, I commit to a war. It's a war against Satan and the powers of darkness as we advance the kingdom of God. We will experience both hostility and the adversary with his demonic host and the persecution that comes from standing against false teachers 
who distort the true gospel. We commit to this war. And number three, we commit to being hated and ridiculed by the world. Sounds like something you want to sign up for, doesn't it? We commit to being hated and ridiculed by the world by separating ourselves from it both morally and spiritually and by refusing to accept its standards or philosophies as our own. You see, and like Jesus, we may also suffer the ridicule and persecution from the religious world, from your brothers and sisters in Christ. So when we take up our cross, we are committing to a lifelong but daily battle against our own desires. We're committing to a war against hell, and we commit to being rejected by the world. That is what we are called to. That's what we commit to. When we say, take up our cross, when Jesus says, take up our cross, that's what we're committing to. Now, Matthew Henry says we often meet with crosses in the way of duty. And though we must not pull them upon our own heads, yet when they are laid on us, we must take them up and carry them after Christ. You see, you might be doing all the right things, saying all the right things, following all the things God has for you, and bam, blindsided. Somebody's right in your face calling you a hypocrite, a liar, and nothing you do will ever be good enough. And how dare you say that you're a Christian? I know who you are. I know what you've done. That ridicule becomes your cross. And you're not called to lay there and wallow in it. Yes, I'm so unworthy. I'm horrible. You're to pick it up and say, you know what? I'm going to keep going on. They might spit at me. They might throw things at me. They might hurl their insults at me, but I'm following Christ. I'm picking up my cross, and I'm going to keep going on. It's not a cross you ask for, but it was laid upon you. And if you're going forward, if you're following Christ the way you're supposed to, you'll come across many crosses that you not only, some of them you pick up on yourself, and you need to carry them. But some of them other people have put upon you. You didn't ask for it. But you need to pick it up and carry it. As Christians, we are stepping into a war that has been raging from the dawn of our existence. But, let me assure you, the battle's already been won. The victory has already been announced. The losing team has been announced. And it's already been written down in the only timeless history book, the Bible. But here it is. You have to read it. And not just read it to get information. Because there's so many religious people that are packed full of re religion because it's information overload. And that information that they're searching out in the scriptures almost confuses them. Because they're looking for it as it's just a history book. And I'm trying to make this make sense of this and make sense of this. When that book is supposed to be opened for knowledge of who God is. What Christ purchased for you. And who you are in Christ. The knowledge. 
the love story, the journal of, really. You're not looking for information. You're reading it to gain understanding who God is. Which leads us to our last point, three, follow him. Jesus said, if you want to be my follow, do these three things. You must do these three things. You must, what? Number one, (laughs) turn from your selfish ways. Number two, take up your cross. And number three, follow him. It's absurd, absolutely absurd to think that you can be a follower of someone you're not following. I'm a follower of Christ. Really? Because that don't look like anything Christ would do. That don't sound like anything Christ would say. Let me just ask, in Jesus' lifetime, who were the ones hanging around him but not doing what he was teaching? It was a religious crowd. So if you're a Christian and you're not following Christ, doing what he told you you must do, Going on, our Lord wants to give us continuous instructions from his word because continuous instruction will turn you from a hearer to a disciple. A continuous instruction, continuous instruction. That's ongoing. That's every day opening up the word, saying, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? How am I supposed to handle this? How am I supposed to handle that? Continuous instruction. Would you be able to grow physically if you only ate once a week? I know some of us could go once a week. (laughs) Hallelujah. I heard him say, and spread forth thy horizon. Wait a minute. No, not the hips of the horizon. But anyway, would you be able to grow physically if you only ate once a week? And think about it this way. The food that you would be chewing on is food that somebody else has already chewed on. Welcome to the potluck. (laughs) Out today, out these doors, feast on the food that's already been chewed. Once a week, would you get nourishment from that? But week after week, month after month, boring year after boring year, we as Christians... Think that we're growing in the Lord by just setting our blessed assurances down on these seats once a week. And we're going to grow. Are you? Are you growing? If that's all you're doing, I can assure you you're not growing. And I don't know much about plants, agriculture, and horticulture. But if your plant isn't growing, what is it doing? Dying. Dying. Boy, you're quick, and you probably went to youth convention with no sleep, right? (laughs) Quick. It's dying. You are dying. Let me ask you, if you just think back on last week, have you grown any from last week to this week spiritually? 
Have you? Thank you. Gee, all right. <laughs> month after month, year after year, you should be constantly growing because if you're not growing, you're dying. 2 Timothy 3.17 says, God uses the word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. He uses his word. You don't have to go through a priest. You don't even have to go through a pastor. You are encouraged to seek God yourself. Seek his word yourself. His word will equip and prepare you for every good work. If you come here week after week and just say, you know, hey, pastor, that's unnecessary pressure on a pastor to think that I, him, whoever's filling this pulpit is the only food, spiritual food you're getting that week. That's wrong. That's actually placing us in wrongly in Christ's place in your life. And let me just say, if you are a good disciple and you have other people following you, you better not step in the way of Christ. You are supposed to encourage others to go directly to Christ. If they're getting their food from you, you have set yourself up as Christ in their life. Wrong. We need to go straight to the source, get the word in us every day, daily, he said. Now, he was very specific. He didn't say weekly. He didn't say monthly. He didn't say when you feel like it. He said daily. Daily. So if you are not digging into God's word to be prepared and equipped... And who are you following? Your flesh. Because I didn't feel like it. Wanted to sleep a little longer. Hebrews 2.18, since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Listen, there is not a battle that God has not equipped you for. There is not a problem in your life that he hasn't already prepared a promise for you. But if you don't know it, if you don't dig it out, if you don't search him out, you will become unprepared, ill-equipped for everything you face, every battle you come in contact with. And you're doing it alone. That's just foolishness. I, that's a rogue soldier. He's going to die. There are no Sylvester Stallones in the Christian world. You're no Rambo thinking you're going to take out the whole army of hell by yourself. I know we all look like Rambo. I feel like. <gasps> Wednesday is Veterans Day. I have to say that the army teaches, Navy, all the military teaches this leave no man behind that strikes me a special place in my heart every time I think about it. Because we as Christians have been accused of killing our own wounded. When we are supposed to lock arms with each other, brothers and sisters in the Lord, and advance the kingdom of God, 
We have been accused of, in some places, rightly so, that when somebody gets weary and starts to, well, we just kind of step around them. We lock arms again and keep going. We're going to keep fighting. And, oh, you got a little weak? Okay, we'll leave you behind and we'll keep going. But in the military, they say, leave no man behind. Somebody starts to get weak, well, we get stronger. And we lift them up higher because we're not leaving without you. And we're going to keep going on together. And let me just ask some of my military uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord. If you're advancing your line and you see somebody get wounded and shot and falling out there and you work your way up and your, your whole platoon and you're working your way up, getting to that wounded soldier, do you all then sit around with them and sing Kumbaya? I'm so sorry. You should not have gotten hit. I know that's horrible. Look at how they were treating you. Oh, kumbaya, my Lord. No, you pick them up and you start encouraging them, sometimes with fierce words. You can do it. Get up. We're here. Get up. Come on. Let's go. Right? We're in a war. We don't sit around and coddle. It's too much at stake. We got to strengthen. We got to... Lock arms with them. Pick them up. We're here. We'll shield you. We'll help you. We'll strengthen you. But we're going to keep going on. You can do this. You can do this. So I want to just thank the military, our brothers and sisters, oldest have, who have served, currently serving. If you're in this room, thank you. Thank you. That you epitomize the leave no man behind. That we are supposed to be living now. As Christians, leave no man behind. Follow him. Follow him. And let me just encourage you, if you think of it, we, you know, obviously, we're in a war. We're in a spiritual war. You've been given orders. You have a mission. And there is one ahead of you that's called Christ that knows every wound you're going to face knows every battle that's coming towards you, has bore upon himself every affliction that could ever be imaginable, and yet yells back to you, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. Let me just encourage you, if you're a Christian, you're supposed to yell those same words. As those that are coming up behind you, follow me, following him, follow me as I'm following him. And just a side note again, let me just tell you that there's a decrease and an increase when you step up as a disciple of Christ to be what you're supposed to be, and that's a follower of Christ with others following you. That what you okay in your life, because it's just a little whatever, those following behind you that are seeing this will go to the extreme. If they see you and you can fill in the blank wherever you want to, I'm not one to point out things. I think that's foolishness. Whatever it is, if you um, allow worldly things 
in your life a little bit, and it's under moderation, and, and I know, and it's not sending me to hell. Well, those that are following behind you say, hey, my leader's doing it, so I can do this a little bit more. It happens that way. And whatever you're following Christ with, the disciple, the, the, the commitment that, that you're giving, that you're making, they're just going to be one step behind you. So if you're following with a 100% devotion, they're following with a 95% devotion. So in sin, they'll go into the increase. In devotion, they'll go into the decrease. It's a principle in, over these years in ministry I've just seen. Now there are some exceptions to the rule, but the majority of the population, this is a rule, this is true. So that's why Paul, who said, follow me as I follow Christ, is also the one that said, you know what? I'm really free to do whatever I want to do. But for the sake of others, I choose not to. Because he was the one that said, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. And you know what? I could do this. I'm not going to do that because they're following behind me. That's a distraction. That's a way. That will become a burden. And you know what? I could do it. I'm choosing not to do it because of those that are following behind me. So when you follow him, when he says, follow me, you should be shouting behind you, follow me as I follow him. In summary, we as Christians are choosing the long road home. Not the easy route, not the popular route, not the tourist attractions, but the way of our master, our savior, Jesus Christ. If any of you wants to be my follower, Jesus said, you must stop doing Christian life on your own terms. But you're getting sick of a boring Christian life. It's boring because you're doing it on your own terms. Because I can tell you, once you let go and let God, you like that, Linda? Once you let go and give it all to God, 100% devotion to God, it's not boring. If you want to be my follower, Jesus said, you must, must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. So here it is. In closing, and Amy, if you want to come back. There's too many of us sitting here who call ourselves Christians who have been plotting our own course home, taking the easy way, and that's just not right. You're living a lie. Jesus laid down his rights. He picked up the cross that bore our shame and died so that we could have life, real life, and this life is only found by following him. His example. We must turn from our selfish ways, take up our cross, and follow him. And there's some of us sitting here today who've not even made the commitment yet to follow him. Well, today's your day. If you're ready to change your course, if you're ready to 
Change your destination. Make heaven your destination. All you have to do is come to him. In Matthew 11:28 28 and 30, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Whether you're a Christian or not yet a believer, if you're carrying a burden today, it's because it's your own burden. And for some strange reason, he wants our burdens. I don't even understand that. I was crying here at the altar when we started singing that song and the idea of that, why do we carry these burdens? Why do we carry these burdens? When he's standing there as a gentle, loving father, say, just get, get, come on, give me that. Come on, come here, come here. Give me that burden. What are you doing? Christian life is not a burdensome life. It's a burden-free life. But we have to take it to him. And he says, come to me. Oswald Chambers says, come to me. Oh, weighty are those words. His word come means to act. Yet the last thing we want to do is to come. Oh, we'll fix it. I can do this. I can make it right. It's my fault. And Jesus simply says, come. But everyone who does come knows that. At that very moment, that supernatural power, the life of God will invade them. The dominating power of the world, the flesh, and the devil is now paralyzed. Not by your act, but because your act has joined you to God and tapped you into his redemptive, life-changing power. He is rerouting your destiny. And all you have to do is come. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, if you say, Brenda, that's me, I want to reroute my destiny. Today's your day. Just raise your hand and only I can see it. Today I want to reroute my destiny. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hands. Hands going all over. All over. I see your hand. Today's your day. Burdens cast down. The enemy paralyzed in your life because you are coming to God. And maybe you say, Brenda, I've lived the Christian life. I've done it day after day, week after week, month after month, year after boring year, and I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I've been doing it on my own terms. And I'm ready to lay it down. Like a burden at his feet, I'm just going to cast it down. And I'm going to come to Jesus today and follow God on his terms that's you without any fanfare either one of those come up come just hear the words of Jesus saying come come up to the front find your place at the altar that was you for either one of those come 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 hear Jesus calling you come to me come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest
those burdens down. There's still other people, I feel it. You're holding on to that burden, thinking it's your fault. You're the one that created it. You've got to fix it. That's a lie. Stop holding on to it. Bring it up here. Lay it down. It's not yours. That's the enemy trying to put that on you. That is not yours. Bring it up and lay it down. Don't walk out of this place carrying that same burden any longer. Come on, there's others. I know, I saw your hand and you're still sitting there. Come on up, come on up, come on up. You're not coming up to me. You're not coming up for a church. You're not coming up for anything but God. It's time to reroute your destiny. Reroute your course. You're committing to the long road home, carrying that cross, following him, turning from your selfish ways. If you're at this altar and you were one that said today, I wanted to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior, I'm committing to him. And if you're still out there and I know who you are, your hands, you raised your hands, but you didn't come up here, you can still pray the same prayer. And it's not about the words you say, it's about your heart. It's about your commitment. It's about laying down your will to his will. Taking up his will, his plan, his purpose, following him. But just making the declaration out of your mouth so your ears will hear the commitment that you're making church just repeat it after me dear heavenly father today I commit to you all my thoughts all my desires all my plans I lay at your feet along with my burdens and I accept today the cross that you bore the punishment you paid and the redemptive power that comes in your name today Lord I commit to follow you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, and with all my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've rerouted your destiny. Today, heaven is your home. Now you have to commit. Now you have to commit to turn from your selfish ways, to pick up your cross and to follow him every day. Seek out God's word for yourself. Seek out God's word for yourself. Apply it. Don't just be hearers. Apply it. Lock arms with the body of Christ. Be strengthened. Be strengthened. 
commitment to God. Let's close with worship. Come on, I want the altar. I want the prayer team. I want you to come up. I believe there's others that are here and they brought uh, pains or sicknesses or, or whatever. And there needs to be prayer. There will be miracles today. God will confirm his word through miracles today. Jesus, we just give you all the glory, all the glory, all the glory, all the glory. Yes, yes. I worship you. Yes, yes. Love's like a hurricane. Let's just let's just get our minds, let's get our hearts back into worship, back into worship. God, we worship you. We worship you. Your glory, Holy Spirit. today has felt like they're a prisoner within their own mind. Today's your day. Today's your day. Freedom will come. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. It's time for you to be set free. The enemy has kept you trapped inside your mind. But if you look closely, there's no lock on that door. There's no lock on that door. You can walk out today. Walk out, walk out, walk out. Come on up. If you need prayer, come on up, come on up, come on up. If you just want to worship, if you just want to cement your commitment today, come on up, come on up. Don't leave the same. So 
Abundant life, a life overflowing. 